Parshas Vayakel Pekudei. We're finishing Sefer Shemos already, and we note that we've encountered a very queer phenomenon along the way. We began this Sefer learning all about the Shibud Mitzrayim, about how our forefathers were oppressed for so many years in bondage, until finally HaKadosh Baruch Hu appeared to Moshe Rabbeinu and sent him to redeem the Am Yisrael. The whole story of Moshe is in this Sefer, and that we understand. It belongs there. It's an important part of the narrative that happened to our forefathers. Then came Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, a very important event in our history. The exodus from Mitzrayim is the foundation for Kola Kula, the Das Hashem that we acquired by means of witnessing the Makkas. That's what made us HaKadosh Baruch Hu's people. Every detail is important. And so a great deal of space is devoted to that tremendous event. Then we go on further. And we come to Matan Torah. Ooh, the greatest day in history was when, Ash- when Hashem spoke to our nation and gave us the Torah. That tremendous event certainly is important. No question, it belongs there. And all the laws that we learned then, the Mishpatim, yes, Mishpatim belong there. We're law people. All the laws that are the foundation of Bava Kama, Bava Mitzia, the laws of Pesach and Shabbos and everything else, it's all very important. But then something strange happens. As soon as Matan Torah ends, right away begins the Mishkan. It's remarkable to see how much space is devoted to the details of making the Mishkan and all of its kalim. There's Truma and Titzave, parts of Kisisa, and Vayakel Pekude too. We're surprised to see how much space is given to it. The details of the Mishkan takes up more space in the Torah than any other subject. And it's a big deal too. It's not passed over so easily. The Baal Koide has to practice up on this before he can read it. He shouldn't make any errors in the difficult words that he has to read. Vayikra, with all the unfamiliar laws of sacrifices, at least deals with things that apply forever to the Beis HaMikdash. That we understand. But the Mishkan? Something that would be for just 40 years? HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have said, Make for me a Mishkan, a house for me to live among you. I'll leave the details to you. How many flowers and knobs you should put on the Menorah. That I'll leave up to you. But nothing was left up to them. Every detail was specified by Hashem. How to make the curtains, how to make the pillars, how to make the sockets. And it required a lot of expertise and craftsmanship. It required time and great expense. And then after it's all commanded, it started all over again. The Torah begins telling how they did it. The Torah tells us again and again, they did it this way and they did it that way. And they were told this and that. And it describes again all the details that were done. It's a remarkable story that to most of us seems to be superfluous. So you have to understand what it's teaching us. When the Am Yisrael were given the mitzvah of erecting a mishkan, so everybody got busy pitching in with their hands and with their money and their time. It was a national expression of service of Hashem. And we cannot overestimate the effect that it had on the people. The entire camp was in an uproar. Altogether, we're busy serving Hashem. In every tent, people were working, sewing, banging with their hammers, contributing whatever they could to help build the house of Hashem. The weavers and the carpenters and the leather workers and the goldsmiths, everybody. Men and women brought materials and they labored to provide the things that were necessary, all the accessories. It was a very big job. And then finally, When the Mishkan was erected, it stood in the middle of the camp, surrounded on all sides by the populace of the Jewish people. In the center of the camp 
was the house of Hashem. Which means that is the core. That's the heart of our nation. We're being taught here how important that place of Hashem's service was to the Jewish nation. Our nation is a nation that serves Hashem. It's not that we're a nation and that we also have places to serve Hashem. No, it's the service of Hashem. That's our nation, nothing else. And around Avoidus Hashem, that's how we set up camp. The Mishkan stood there always as a constant reminder to every Jew in his private tent. It didn't matter if it was a big tent or a little tent, a fancy tent or a plain one. He understood now what was the focus of his life. Serving Hashem is the heart around which the entire people are gathered. And that's why when Yeshua brought the nation into Eretz Canaan and he deposited the Mishkan in Shiloh, so the Mishkan Shiloh became the center of our nation. And even though the Am Yisrael was now spread out in the land and they weren't living in close proximity to the Mishkan like they had been in the Midbar, but the lessons of those 40 years were now engraved on their minds and the Mishkan Shiloh was the focal point of the nation. It was to Shiloh that the Am Yisrael traveled to remind themselves that Hashem was still living among them. Of course, there were some changes made, but the Mishkan Shiloh always had some remnants of the original Mishkan. The walls were now made of stone, but the Yiris, the sheets that had been used for the roof of the Mishkan in the Midbar, were still used, and many revered remnants of the original Ohemoid were still there. And so... When they used to come three times a year to Shiloh, it was for them in a special opportunity for contact with their great past. You know, when you have an artifact, remnants of antiquity, everybody comes to look at them, especially if they were things that were made in the days of Moshe Rabbeinu. And so, when they came to Shiloh, they felt like they were united with their great past in the Midbar. With those great days, when they would wake up in the morning and go to sleep at night, seeing the house of Hashem, and all day long in between, and even though it had stopped now when they had come to, into Eretz Canaan, but still, they remembered. For 369 years, the Mishkan Shiloh stood in the land of Ephraim, a very long time. And it was always the heart of our people, the place where the Am Yisrael traveled to with pride. But it didn't remain like that forever. There are sometimes periods in our history when idealism begins to take a back seat. Sometimes it might be because of persecution. Other times it's because of prosperity. Whatever it is, there's a Yerida. And after a while, things aren't the same. And that's what happened in the days of Shoftim. In those early days of our history, when the Am Yisrael was still establishing its new power in Eretz Canaan, they were often under the yoke of the Pelishtim. The Pelishtim lived on the shore of the Mediterranean, and they were the lords of the land. It was a loose king of hegemony. They weren't the kind that were evident everywhere in the country, but they were there. They were always in the background causing trouble. And because of that, many people were afraid to travel on the main roads. Even to be Ohel Regel and Yom Tov, or to bring Korbanos to Shiloh during the year, many people stopped doing it because of the danger of being accosted. The police officers would sometimes seize people without any reason. And flimsy excuses would be made up and people would be imprisoned, or maybe their possessions would be taken away from them. And so, it's understandable that people were afraid to travel. Everyone remembers the story of Devorah Hanavia. When she came onto the scene, she found such a situation. She sang about it. Chadlu Arachos. 
They stopped going on the main roads. Shoftim. They were afraid to travel because of the Gentiles who would wait in ambush on the sides of the road. It's too dangerous to go up to Shiloh, they said. Now, don't think they stopped going right away. The Am Yisrael of antiquity were a very enthusiastic people. They loved HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They were far above our present level, even the best Jews today. Let's say the Jews of Borough Park or even Meyasharim. They couldn't compare to the Jews that lived in those days. So they didn't give up altogether. They found back roads to use in order to avoid the Plishtim. When they had to travel, they went by byroads. They went by a calculus on crooked byroads. But we understand that when the roads are dangerous, there will always be a slacking off. When people are discouraged from doing a mitzvah, after a while they stop. And so after a while, the mitzvah of Aliyah Laregel, going up on Yom Tov to the Mishkan, in Shiloh, fell into disuse. So although in Devorah and Borok, Ben Avinoam had a great victory over the Pelishtim, it became possible again to go up. Nevertheless, people were afraid to go. Or even if they weren't so afraid, but once they had stopped, they just didn't go anymore. The Medrash Shmuel explains it with a pasuk. Al tavuz ki zokna imecha. Do not scorn your mother when she grows old. Mishle. Your mother means the Jewish nation. Sometimes the Am Yisrael grows old. It means that even very important practices fall into disuse. There are periods in our history when we weaken to some extent and it appears like we are too old of a people. We're losing our fire. And that's what happened then. The practice of traveling to Shiloh went out of style. So Shlomo HaMelech says, don't scorn the Jewish people. Don't give up. The Jewish nation is never really old. We can always rejuvenate our people. And even though it seems to you at the moment that it's a hopeless case, don't give up. With some effort, you can always bring them back to the Torah again. And that brings us to a very important personality in the history of the Am Yisroel. In the beginning of Shmuel Aleph, we read about a certain person. There was a man from Har Ephraim, Ushmo Elkanah, and his name was Elkanah. It gives us his lineage there, and it tells us he was Ephrasi. Ephrasi means he was an important personality. Now, how he became important, we'll soon see. But right now, we'll study the Pashat Pashat. We'll see what the Pasuk tells us about this man. This man used to go up from his town, every year, to bow down at Shiloh. And to bring offerings to Hashem. Means that Elkanah instituted a system of going up to Shiloh for the Shalosh Regalim every time by means of a different route, Yalkus Shimoni. And because he wanted to make a demonstration out of it, so he didn't sneak through on the by roads, he went on the main road, the main road, and he purposefully would pass by different towns wherever he went, trying to convince more and more people to join him. First, he would gather as many people as he could from his hometown. And then, as they passed by other villages, he enlisted more and more people to join. He said, come along with us. Let's all go up to the house of Hashem. That's how one man, all by himself, encouraged people to come to Shiloh. And little by little, 
bigger and bigger throngs used to come to Shiloh until he restored the mitzvah of Aliyah Leregel to its ancient prestige. On all sides now, when Yom Tov came, people were thronging all the roads and byroads. The Am Yisrael is coming together, marching to the Mishkan, singing songs and bringing offerings, cattle and sheep, to offer up in Shiloh. And it wasn't just the mitzvah of Aliyah Leregel that was restored. It was the great lesson that it's Shiloh. It's Avoidas Hashem. That is the center of our lives. The old glory of the Am Yisrael, the glory of the nation, that knows that Avoidas Hashem is the heart and soul of the people, was restored. And that's all the credit of one man, of Elkanah. However, it didn't stop there. Because of his efforts, this man was given a big reward. Everybody knows the story of Elkanah's two wives, one was Penina, who had a number of children. And the other one was Chana, who was childless. And every year when they went up, although Elkanah attempted to cheer up his childless wife, he would give her an extra portion from the korban to express his loyalty to her. But she couldn't even eat because of her broken heart. You should look into the pesukim there. You'll see the entire story, an interesting story, which we won't tell now. Of course, Chana used her time in Shiloh wisely. She spent her time in prayer. Now, one time, Eli, the old Kohen Gadol, saw how she was praying with all of her heart. At first he thought she was an intoxicated person because he saw her standing there and didn't hear any words. All she was doing was weeping. But when he spoke to her, he discovered that she was praying from a broken heart and begging Hashem for a child. So Eli blessed her. He told her, go in peace. You're going to have a son. He encouraged her with a bracha that she should have a son and HaKadosh Baruch Hu fulfilled the wish of the tzaddik Eli and blessed Chana with a son. Now, when Shmuel was born, that was her baby, Shmuel Hanavi. So his mother kept him for a little while, but then she brought him to Eli the Kohen Gadol. And she said, here he is. I'm dedicating my son to the service of Hashem. She was fulfilling the vow that she had made, that she had made when she prayed to Hashem for a son. She had, prom- <clears throat> she had promised, I will dedicate him to the service of Hashem. And that's how the career of Shmuel Hanavi began. And after Elkanah passed away, his son Shmuel continued to grow greater and greater, even more than his father. Shmuel Hanavi had a great career of Avoidas Hashem. Among the great things that he did, it's related about him as follows. V'yishpot Shmuel et Yisrael kol Shmuel judged the Jewish people all the days of his life. That means he led them and he taught them. Of course, all the Shoftim did that. That was their function, to teach the people the Torah Hashem. But of Shmuel, it says specifically that he judged Israel all the days of his life. That means Shmuel dedicated his life to the Am Yisrael to teach them and to guide them in coming close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And it tells us how he did it. Every year, he used to go around and visit all the Jewish communities. And he used to make circuits, visiting all the towns and villages. Shmuel. And he used to judge Israel in all these places. He used to return finally to his home in Ramah. Not that he stood in his own town and he waited for people to come to him for guidance. That's what others did. But Shmuel traveled the country and visited all the communities, big and small. He used to stop and speak to them and inquire what was the condition of the communities, 
How was the Avoid de Hashem? How the children were growing up, whether there was peace in the households, whether they were serving Hashem and upholding the Torah Hashem. It's a big Mesiris Nefesh, a big inconvenience to be on the move always. But Shmuel considered that his function. Now, as a result of Shmuel's labors, a great change took place in the people. A great movement was started because of Shmuel's dedication, his constant traveling, his supervising of all the Kihilas, seeing that everybody was towing their line, that the Torah Hashem was sovereign in all of the homes. As a result of that, in the 20 years that Shmuel led the people, there was a revolution, a rejuvenation of Avoidus Hashem. The whole Bnei Israel was yearning for Hashem. It states, Vayihu Esrim Shana. In those 20 years, something great happened. The whole house of Yisrael began to yearn for Hashem. Now they always yearned for Hashem. The Jewish people never lost sight of the one function of their existence, to serve Hashem. But in the times of Shmuel, a great yearning began to grow among the people. And Shmuel was the one who poured oil on the fire. And he caused the yearning to get bigger and bigger. But Shmuel Anavi wasn't the end, wasn't the end of Elkanah, Elkanah's influence. No, it didn't stop there. Because as a result of what Shmuel did, he was given a gift from Hashem, a young disciple named David. David was a great man, even without Shmuel. He had his own parents who were excellent teachers. But he was also a Talmud of Shmuel Anavi. And Shmuel took David in his hand and he raised him up. He taught him how to be a melech, and he inspired him. And oh, how inspired he became. Now you have to know, when David appeared on the scene, it wasn't just an accident that happened. David was sent min hashamayim at the time he was needed. Just when the generation had reached a pitch, a pitch of enthusiasm, David was sent to utilize that. And a remarkable thing occurred at that time. The songs of Tehillim came into existence. David began his system of Shiroz Vitishpachas. It was a new career, a new movement in the Am Yisrael, singing to Hashem. We're accustomed to that. We think it has to be that way. But Moshe Rabbeinu didn't make Tehillim. Neither did Yeshayahu. None of the Shoiftim. Although they were great people, they didn't do it. Certainly Moshe Rabbeinu and Yeshua caused the people to be enthusiastic for the, thir- for the service of Hashem. But now something different occurred. A song of enthusiasm. Tehillah David, a song of praise by David was instituted. All over they began singing David's songs. Beautiful songs. David was a Ne'im Zemiras Yisroel. The sweet singer of Yisroel. He was a gifted man who was a master at the harp. And you could be sure that his nigunim were masterful renditions. And the words, every word was precious. We're already accustomed to Tehillim. We know all about it. But in those days, it was a new thing. And it caught on. People were humming the songs as they worked on the fields. At home too, they sang the songs. When they sang the Zemiris on Shabbos, they didn't sing Yom Zem Chubat. They sang David's songs. Mizmor Shili Yom HaShabbos. That's what they sang at the table. All over the Am Yisrael, people were singing David's songs. At first, it was the Bnei Tzion, David's entourage, who sang songs along with him. They became, a, they became a circle around him. And that circle spread, and the Jewish nation became inspired. 
And soon there was such great enthusiasm that David was able to say, Ze dor dorshav. This is the generation of those who seek him. Mevakshe panecha, who seek your face, Hashem. It's a little difficult for us sitting in North America to try to picture the spirit that reigned at that time. We're all good Jews and certainly we give a good deal of our time for the service of Hashem. But to us, it's just part of our activities. It's an important part. We wouldn't give it up for anything. Chas v'sholom. But we have our own lives to live. And Avoidus Hashem is part of our lives. But what happened in the Am Yisrael then was much more than that. David saw that the generation had been raised to the heights of enthusiasm and he inspired them even further. When David built up Yerushalayim, we have to realize that it was built especially to be the Ir Hashem. That's all it was. It wasn't Yerushalayim. It was the Ir Elokeinu, the city of our God. Only that David permitted people to settle there too. But anybody who came there knew that the purpose of this city is Hashem. And they were expected to have nothing else in mind but that. It could be, in the course of the centuries, people became forgetful of that. Like any good ideal, in the course of time it becomes habituated and people forget. But at the beginning, in David HaMelech's time, there was a fire that was raging throughout the entire Jewish nation. A fiery devotion to Hashem that burned forth from Yerushalayim. And so now, we have the whole Klal Yisroel. In the days of David, all of them are yearning to Hashem with all of their hearts. They were so enthusiastic and inspired that the time finally came for the erection of the Beis Hamikdash, And therefore, at the time, it occurred to David to build the Beis Hamikdash. The Beis Hamikdash, that's the climax. Now you have to understand that this is what David HaMelech envisioned. After all those years of great inspiration that were engendered by the efforts of Shmuel Anavi, and then by David HaMelech to make the nation more and more enthusiastic. Finally, the time, the time came when David said, now we must build the Beis Hamikdash. That will be the climax where our entire nation will serve Hashem together. When the sanctuary was finally erected in the days of Shlomo, the son of David, that was the highest form of national service of Hashem. And finally, that great moment arrived. Shlomo HaMelech is standing in Yerushalayim, surrounded by Kol Yisroel. The entire Jewish nation came together at the Chanukah Sabayis. It's one of the greatest days in our history. That building was dedicated by every man, woman, and child in the Jewish people. Milevo Chamos Ad Nochal Mitzrayim. Everybody came to that great inauguration of the Beis Amikdash because it was everybody's job to be in Eved Hashem. It was so great of an occasion that they ate on Yom Kippur to celebrate it. That year they ate on Yom Kippur because the idolism was so rampant, so extreme, they expressed it with meals. With a Su'udas Yom Kippur, Al Pi Hashem it was done. Imagine a Su'udas Mitzvah on Yom Kippur. It meant that it was even more kapara than fasting on Yom Kippur. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wouldn't let them eat unless the eating was just the same as the fasting. And so they were feasting in Yerushalayim in honor of the Beis HaMikdash because everybody's heart was full of happiness and gratitude to Hashem. Finally, we have this beautiful building to inspire us even more in the service of Hashem. We're dedicated to Hashem now with all of our hearts. 
We're so enthusiastic that we'll be able to bring this fire back home with us and make our homes places of Avoidus Hashem. Now, when the entire nation stood at the Chanukah's Beis Amigdash with Shlomo Melech, I don't know if the people were thinking about who was the real catalyst for that great event. But we look back now and we understand. We understand that it all began in the house of Elkanah. It was the culmination of all of the activity that Elkanah had begun many years before. Because at that time, whose dream was coming true? Was it the dream of Shlomo HaMelech? Absolutely. Was it the dream of David HaMelech too? Absolutely. Shmuel HaNavi? Yes. It was his dream as well. But first and foremost, it was the dream of Elkanah. Elkanah started it all. And he started it where? In his home. The Beis Amikdash began to be built in the humble home of Elkanah. And so we go back now and study again the Pasuk that we cited in the beginning of the lecture tonight. This man used to go up from his city and gather together the people to make the trek up to the Mishkan Shiloh. On those words, the Medrash Shmuel states as follows. And that man went up means he rose up to greatness in his home. It was between the four walls of his home that Elkanah became great. He didn't wait for somebody to promote him to a position of prominence, a shteller. All of his greatness was by his own efforts. Elkanah began in his house. Nobody knew about him. He wasn't famous. He didn't have any great throngs of people coming to listen to him. He wasn't building the base Hamikdash, and he wasn't composing to Hillim for the nation either. But he didn't have to wait until he had some good opportunity, because he knew that his home was that opportunity, and because he was a Ben Aliyah, he was the kind of man who didn't just stand still. So he jumped up for the opportunity. He inspired himself. Elkanah started on himself in the privacy of his own heart. He came closer and closer to Hashem. In his home, he was becoming greater and greater. That's how it all started. All of his excellence, all of it increased in stature. All of it was due only to his own efforts. Kol iluyo lohaya elami atzmo. It all started from himself. That's how it all began. All he had was his wives and his children and whoever else was in the house. But that was enough. His avoidance Hashem began to overflow and the family became inspired. They saw an enthusiastic husband, an idealistic father. His house became full of the spirit of Hashem. If we would have been there, we would have understood what a tremendous influence this man had on the B'nai Habayis. But once a man begins in that direction, HaKadosh Baruch Hu spurs him on. And so it began to spread to the neighbors. It was a contagion. Nisale Bechatseiro. He became elevated in his chatzer. It means that all the people in the block began to recognize his worth. And then Nisale Beiro. He became famous in his town. And then Nisale Bechol Yisroel. He became famous everywhere. The next door neighbors heard what was going on and they began to do the same thing. And then it started traveling down the block. And after a while, it spread throughout the entire town. Now that's a very big achievement. 
If you can influence the people in your courtyard, all the apartments in your apartment house, you're a personality. And that's what he did. Everybody became inspired by his example. They were all fired with enthusiasm for the service of Hashem. Now, they were all from people, even before Elkanah came along. He didn't have to preach to the people to keep Shabbos or to pray or to put on tefillin. Everybody did that already. That was the regular practice of the Am Yisroel. But he inspired them to even greater heights. He put a fire into their hearts. When they saw his devotion to the service of Hashem, it spread in the Chatzer and then in his Mavoy. And then the entire neighborhood became enthusiastic. Now, this seems to us very far from our experience, but that's what happened to this great man. And he became famous. Everybody in town was talking about Elkanah. And they all tried to follow in the direction that he was traveling. Of course, he must have been, he must have been a winsome personality, a kindly, friendly person who was interested in his neighbors. And I'm sure he spoke to them and inspired them. It was not merely by his secret activities that they were inspired. I'm sure that he went out and urged them. And when they saw how sincere he was, so they began to listen to him. And they began to travel in the direction of Hashem, right along with him. And then he began the practice of going up to Shiloh through different routes every year. And after a while, the whole Am Yisrael was under his influence. This year he traveled by this road, and people saw Elkanah, and his followers singing and going up to Shiloh. And then next year, a different place. And everybody, after a while, began practicing the mitzvah of Aliyah Laregel. Three times a year to go to Shiloh. And so the Jewish nation now was singing on the roads and marching up to Shiloh. The place of Hashem was jammed every year. And it was all the work of one man, Elkanah. Now, we have to understand that this story is not told for itself. It's supposed to be a model for every Jew. Every person comes into this world to utilize the opportunities available here. And one of the most important opportunities is the home, the career of the home is the most important of all. It's in our homes that all of us have the opportunity to be nisale, to elevate ourselves in the home the same way Alcana did. Imagine you live in Borough Park in a big apartment house. So now you have the opportunity for your idealism to spread. It can spread to your upstairs neighbors and your downstairs neighbors. And before you know it, the entire building can grow stronger in service of Hashem. Of course, everybody there is from. Everybody keeps Shabbos and everything else. But you understand being from is only the beginning of a career of Avoidus Hashem. It's not enough. There's so much more to accomplish. So you begin to elevate yourself in your home. Within those four walls, you begin to become a servant of Hashem. How to do that, you ask? Many ways. First of all, the brachas that you make when you want to put a piece of food into your mouth, should be said out loud and enthusiastically. And you teach your children to say brachas the same way. In the Jewish home not long ago, it was a practice for the children to recite all their blessings in a loud voice. When they were about to eat, they all washed, they all washed, and their mother stood over them like a mashgiach in a yeshiva, and she paid attention as each child made a bracha. She had a watchful eye to see that nobody was cheating, that nobody was being lazy and mumbling the words. The mother in the home wanted to hear aloud, and then the mother said, Amen, along with the other children. 
Then they came to the table, and each one had to make hamotzi, and the words resounded on all sides. Bekol tehala, every child loudly thanked HaKadosh Baruch Hu for that little piece of bread. There wasn't much more than bread in the Jewish home sometimes. If you had a lot of bread to eat, then it was a wealthy home. Many times the children couldn't ask for a second piece of bread. The old timers remember that, but they were taught to be grateful for what they did have. You must teach your children to think about HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to be grateful to Him for everything that they have. When you're speaking to your wife and to your children, you're talking always about the kindness of Hashem. And all day long we hear, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, in the house. Not like people say, Baruch Hashem, by rote. In our house, we mean it. Teach your children. Say, children, all together, let's say, We love you, Hashem! And all the children in a chorus, boys and girls, all chime in and say, We love you, Hashem! That's how to plant the seed in their minds forever. Someday they'll remember. We once said, We love you, Hashem! You're a different person now. Once you say that, you are transformed entirely. Let's see how you say Birkasa Mazan at the table. Jews used to sit around the table and they didn't just bench. They thanked HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When the father was saying Birkasa Mazan, he took out a big siddur in honor of the occasion. He kept an especially big siddur, like the Rabbi Yaakov Emden siddur or some other big siddur. He knew it by memory, of course. But thanking Hashem was a ceremony. Hineni muchanu mezuman. He washed his hands and took out his big sitter and he intoned the words and you could feel that this was a home where HaKadosh Baruch Hu was being served. So if you want to be Nisale Beveso, you say Birkas HaMazun with enthusiasm. You pour out your heart in gratitude each time you eat. That's already a very good beginning. Every woman in the privacy of her home, if she serves Hashem, so even in the kitchen... She can grow great. You know, to a great extent, it was David HaMelech's mother who was responsible, responsible for him becoming a great teacher in the Am Yisrael. He said, Ani avdecha ben amatecha. I'm your servant, the son of your handmaid. His mother. His mother didn't have a yeshiva. Her kitchen was where she was nisale. When little David used to totter into the kitchen, she spoke to him and she inspired him. And that's how David grew up. Ani avdecha, I'm your servant, sang David to Hashem. Do you know why I'm your servant? Ben amatecha, because I'm the son of your handmaid. She was serving you in the house, in the kitchen when I was a little boy. She was serving you, and she served you by bringing me up this way. Many women have become tremendously nisale in the home, just by means of how they raised their children. There's no greater elevation than raising Jewish children. You know, sometimes a woman calls me on the phone to tell me that she feels unfulfilled with her duties in the home. But the truth is that a man can be sitting and learning Torah and writing Chidushim and also feel unfulfilled. We must remember why we're doing what we're doing. A woman who forgets what she's working for, what greatness lies in building a Jewish home. So of course she feels unfulfilled. You're working in the greatest endeavor available to mankind. You're raising up a living shas. A mother in her home is actually inundating the world with Torah. Suppose Mesech the Brachas was alive. Suppose you could take Mesech the Brachas and put blood into it 
and bones and skin and hair on top of it. And it would talk. And Mesech the Brachas is walking around and you could feed him too. He's a little toddler, a mischievous fellow who breaks things whenever you turn around. But what wouldn't you do for Mesech the Brachas? So in the beginning, you have to clean him and clean his diapers. Mesech the Brachas, when he's little, he's a nuisance. And when he's bigger, He's a bigger nuisance. Big boys are also nuisances. There's always going to be trouble in the house when there are people around. But what wouldn't you do for Mesech the Brachas? But suppose it's not only Brachas, it's the whole Shas toddling around your house. So even though he turns on the water in the bathroom and it floods the bathroom, for a Shas, you do anything. And your daughter is even better. Your daughters are going to be a whole lot of Shasim. You're creating Sadikim and Sidkanius in your home. That's why it's a beautiful thing when people have pictures of Sadikim on the walls of their home. Now, some people have a prejudice against pictures. There are some very, very pious people like that. But we're not like that. We do have pictures. Let's say a picture of a girl in the meadow, maybe standing in a garden. But such a picture, Gentiles can also have. I like landscapes too. I like pictures of nature. You can have that too. Why not? So while you're looking at the landscape, you think about the creation that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made for our happiness. But why not pictures of Sadiqim? A picture of the Rambam, a picture of the Vilnagon. If you're a Lubavitcher, a picture of some of the Rebbes. There are so many Sadiqim that can adorn our walls and children will see that these are your heroes. It's a very big asset in a home when you have the pictures of Sadiqim adorning your walls. The whole family looks up to them and it should be a principle to speak about Sadiqim too. To praise Talmidei Chachamim always. The people who learn Torah, Yeshiva people, Rabbanim, Talmidei Chachamim, Gedoitlim, your mouths should be full of nothing but lavish praise for the heroes of our nation. Always. The father and mother should continue to speak about the great ideals of becoming a righteous man and the servant of Hashem. All of these examples are opportunities for achieving greatness within the four walls of your house. Elkanah made his home great. He made it a place of Avodah Hashem. And we could do the same thing in our homes too. Every Jewish home should have pushkas, charity boxes. When I was a little boy, I remember how every Jewish kitchen had charity boxes nailed all around the door on both sides. Up and down and up and down. That represented all the yeshivas of Yerushalayim. The old yeshiv in Yerushalayim. And once or twice a year, an old man with a beard used to come and he used to unlock it with a little key and he would empty out his pushka. It was a whole ceremony. He would pour out the coins onto the table and your mother was standing and watching as he was counting the pennies. Only pennies. A nickel in a pushka was a rarity in those boxes. A nickel in those days meant a bus ride. And then he wrote out a receipt and he took out his little hammer and nailed the charity box back onto the wall. And you knew you were in contact with Yerushalayim. You were in contact with the Ir HaKodesh. A genuine Jewish home should always have charity boxes. And the mother is always dropping in something before she kindles the Shabbos candles. And that's how children should be taught too. The children should always know that in our homes, we support Torah institutions. A Jewish home should be a place that's in contact with the Torah institutions of the world. And so the Jewish child from infancy has to feel a responsibility. If he grows up and becomes a rich man someday, he'll feel that it's his duty to write out checks. 
He'll be on the board of the directors for yeshiva because you raised him to be connected to Talmidei Chachamim. Now this subject of Nisale, Beveso, of becoming elevated in the home and thereby elevating the home is a very big one. The details are endless and we won't stay here all night, but we must always plan that our homes should, be, should become a sanctuary. That was one of the great lessons of the Mishkan, the teaching that Avoides Hashem is the heart of the Jewish home. Because when the Am Yisrael came together to build the Mishkan, they were internalizing that Hashem lives among us. And when they saw the house of Hashem standing in the middle of the camp, wherever they were in the camp, they could see the Mishkan in the middle. They learned the, inter- the eternal lesson that wherever your tent may be, it's around HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That our nation camps. And so it means that everyone has to think about the opportunities in his house. Are you utilizing your house? Is your house being made into a makam kadosh? A place where you serve Hashem? It's all the little things, the daily activities that transform your life. Nisale beveso means that you don't search out for great opportunities. Gedoilois viniflois. In the house, with all the regular episodes of living normally in a house, that's where you're nisale. It's when a man makes use of the limited abilities that he has in his home, or that he has in his privacy. Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will give him a push. And when Hashem is pushing, who knows how far he will go? Now, I'm not saying that's the sole criteria. There are other areas besides the home. For a man, there are surely opportunities outside the home. Although the home is extremely important, he has some other areas too where he must make progress. But a mother, a father, the children all have to know that the true measure of their success is in the home. What goes into your tent in between the four walls of your home, that's where your greatness will be achieved. That's your opportunity to mold a nation. Nisale beveso. The home is what counts. And once somebody understands this function, so he begins to put all that he has into his house. He makes sure to learn Torah in his house, to do mitzvahs in his house, and make brachas out loud. He brings up his children with idealism. Shabbos and Yom Tov and every day are beautiful days. They're all gifts from Hashem. In the home, they praise good character and kindly words. All day long, whatever you could do, put into your house. In your little home, maybe it's five people. If you're Zoyche, it's crowded with ten people there. Maybe more. That's where you'll serve Hashem. And that's where you'll grow great. By building a Mishkan in your own very home. Have a wonderful Shabbos.